pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for, for this amazing family that we're talking about. I thank you for the Del Turcos. I thank you for the Cocolases. I thank you for the Calabrese's. I thank you, Father, for men and women of faith who we stand on their shoulders today to continue what they sowed and sacrificed for decades. Father, we honor Miss Lori today. We know she's rejoicing on the other side. We ask you to comfort her family that's still here. Thank you for peace and joy and faith in their life. Lord, we lift up all of our friends and family in the Ukraine today. Thank you, Father, for the men and women who are bravely taking a stand against tyranny. Father, we speak courage to them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for, for resources and aid coming to their rescue. Father, we know that you're the one that's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to intervene on behalf of not only the believers, but those that are caught in harm's way that haven't met you yet. We thank you, Father, that the gospel goes forth with great power in this season. Lord, I pray for our time together as a church. As we wrap this series up, we're committed to stay the course, to stay full speed ahead, to, to stay full in our hearts, in the word, in the spirit. Lord, today as I challenge the hearers today to be full in relationship with others, I ask you to give me boldness to declare your word, to share these scriptures, these illustrations, just as you placed them in my heart this week. If you agree with that, would you say? Amen. 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 We are in a series. Today's the final step, uh, part three of a series called Stay Full. Turn to your neighbor and say, Stay Full. And in part one, if you weren't here, we talked about the importance of staying full of the word, how important the word of God in our life is. It's the rudder. It, it keeps us on direction. It sets a trajectory for our life. And then last week we talked about staying full of the spirit. And we talked about the, the infilling of the spirit isn't just a one-time event. We initially get filled, but it's our responsibility as believers to continually fill ourselves with the Spirit of God or the breath of God or the wind of God, which gives us power, everybody say power, to get done what He wants to do through us. And today I want to talk about staying full in relationships. Today I want to talk about your company. Some people talk about my family. Some people say, this is my crew. I always call my friends, this is my tribe. I don't know if you have a tribe or not, but I want to tell you this. You need a tribe. Yeah. You need a group of people that believe the same way you do, that have the same moral compass that you do, that have the, the same trajectory in life that you do, so you can get where you need to go. Right. I was thinking about this over the, over the week as I was preparing. You know, a lot of times now, when we talk about relationships or friendships, completely different than what our parents or grandparents would have considered friendships or relationships, right? I mean, there's, there's something's happened in, in our culture where, where the word relationship now takes on a totally different connotation than what it did for my grandparents who had the same supper club every Saturday night. Yeah. and played cards with the same six couples and went to tea down there and played golf at the country. Like they did life together. They raised their kids together. Something's shifted now. And when you talk about friendships now with young people, it's, oh, I'm friends with them. Yeah, exactly. What do you know, Jace? Oh yeah, we're friends. Oh, you are? Well, you know, we're friends on Facebook. <laughs> right? We're friends on Facebook. Well, you don't really know Jace. I mean, you, you, you know something about him, you viewed it, but to get to know somebody, that, that takes investment and intentionality. Right. You know, when we, I think that, um, I was thinking about this, when you talk about friendships now, it's actually been replaced with followers. Yes. Oh yeah, I follow them. 
Oh yeah, I follow them online. And, and, and what we're saying is, you know, we've, we've separated things. Relationships now, when we talk about them, they, they're not personal, they're digital. Right. That's right. That's right. They're digital. I love my mom, but she's friends with many of you here today. And she talks like she's best friends with everybody. And I said, well, when did you talk to them last? And she said, well, we, you know, we, I see them on Facebook. I said, mom, I, I love you. That's not real relationship. You haven't seen them face to face in 30 years. You know, Facebook and other online networks, they have become a substitute or a counterfeit for real relationships, for healthy relationships, and what I would call genuine relationships. Today, I want to talk about staying full in our relationships, but right here from the beginning, I want to say this. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Listen, I was looking on my Facebook page, and it says that I have 3,000 friends on Facebook. And some people say, man, he's popular. i just be real with you. I don't know... uh, 2,900 of them. <laughs> I, I have a few friends there. I was looking at Instagram. I have almost, almost 1,800 followers. It means people that are watching me. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> that they're watching what you're doing, but I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> And that's what relationships digitally have turned into is I'm checking on you to see how good you're doing or how you seem to be faking it online. What you see online is not reality. We did a series five or six years ago and we talked about um, the the difference between a real day in the life of somebody and then the Instagram picture that they took, right? And we had a selfie booth out here and we were taking selfies and and hashtagging stuff. And Pastor Jonathan posted a picture with his hair all messed up and his glasses sideways. And it's the only time you're going to see that, right? right? But what he's saying is I have bad hair days too. I'm a normal person. It doesn't always need to be a highlight reel. Real life, we see the good, the bad, and the... You said it, not me. (laughs) And I want to talk about lasting relationships. Again, not about quantity. But everybody say quality. Quality Quality relationships that last time. Relationships that are authentic and built upon the principles found in God's word. The truth is, is you don't need a certain number of friends. You just need a number of friends you can be certain of. Right now, young people are obsessed with followers and friends because they equate that to acceptance. They accept, they, they, they relate that to, I'm doing okay, things are all right because people are following me. And the truth is, is many of those people, they're, they're, you can't really be certain of them. So they really shouldn't be considered friends. It's not about the number of friends, but the number of friends that you can be certain of. Proverbs 12, 26 says this. It says, the righteous, it's talking about you and me. If if you're in right standing with God, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Two words here, choose carefully. And all the parents said, listen, it's your choice whether you have a relationship with somebody or not. Nobody's forcing us into relationships, but sometimes we find ourselves in relationships that we didn't really choose. They chose us. I want to give you a responsibility. Check up today. It's your responsibility to choose wisely. Just because somebody wants to be your friend doesn't mean you have to be friends with them. I'm not saying don't be friendly, but it doesn't mean you have to spend time investing in that if it's not good for you. Choose wisely. Proverbs 13, 20 says, when you walk with the wise, you become wise. 
Here we go. Associate with fools. You're going to get in trouble. I don't know about your past life, but that speaks so much of my early days as a young adult. Hanging out with foolish people because I wanted their acceptance. I wanted to be popular. I wanted them to, to like me, and it ended up biting me in the butt. We can say that in church, okay? It ended up biting me. It cost me time and energy. It cost me heartbreak. It cost me lots of things. I want to tell you this right from the beginning. Proverbs is saying, walk with the wise you choose. You'll become wise. My dad used to say this to me all times. He, he, as, as a kid, he'd say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. Y'all heard that one before? Yeah. Man, it's such great wisdom. And as a young person, you don't think it's true. Because again, you want acceptance from everybody. We want everybody to like us. And I want to tell you this. It's okay if people don't like you. I said, it's totally okay if people don't like you. That's their business. That's no reflection on who you are. My dad would say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And all the, the uh, uh, seasoned veterans in this room will look back and say, that is so true. When you look back over seasons of life where you felt stuck, it's because you were with stuck people. Right. Seasons that excelled and thrived in your life. You're like, man, I, I, I was a product of the company that I kept. That's right. Truth is, is we are a product of our friends. As we wrap up the series, I want to kind of use this as the statement to, to wrap up everything today. And it's this, to, to stay the course that God has set for your life and to go full speed ahead, you need to stay full of the word. You need to be continually filled with the spirit and you need, everybody say need, need. some God ordained relationships that fill you up. Yeah. Yeah. The truth is, is what God's called you to do cannot be done by yourself. Right. You are required to do life with others if you're going to accomplish the will of God. The truth is, is you can't finish the race that he set before you or get to the destination or the success that he has set aside for you on your own. It's going to take others. It's going to take that person next to you, whether you like him or not. It's going to take the person beside you, whether you get along with him or not. It's going to require us doing things. Everybody say together. together. We say it here at IFC, together is better. We move further, faster when we join together in godly relationships. First Corinthians chapter 12, you can just mark it down and check it out for yourself. But the apostle Paul talks about us being part of the body of Christ. He talks about each one of us plays a part in the body, not just the human body, but the spirit of God. He says we function in a small way as part of something bigger than ourselves. He uses the description of a physical body. And he says, what if, what if, what if we didn't have eyes? We wouldn't be able to see. What if we didn't have ears? We wouldn't be able to hear. What if you didn't have a stomach? You wouldn't be able to process food. Every part, whether you see it or not, is important. But the truth is, is if you take that part and remove it from the body, it has little to no use on its own. I was in uh, North Carolina when I was 16 years old. We went, for whatever reason, we went to North Carolina to go skiing. Shout out to my friends in Boone, North Carolina today. We went to Beach Mountain and I watched a lady ski over a dude's face. And his nose got sawed off with a ski. And it was like a water speaking of blood shooting out. Of, I was 17 years old. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And my friend Deborah McCorder went over and she picked up the nose and she picked up some snow and she packed a little snowball. She was a nurse. And when the paramedics came there to put the gusher out, she said, here, I think you'll be able to sew the nose back on. 
I didn't think it was going to happen. Word came back that they were able to reattach the gentleman's nose. Let me tell you this. There's a lot of people that have been severed from the body of Christ, but they're useless outside of the body of Christ. That nose on its own has no life. It has no purpose. It has no function. It only functions when it's attached to the body, the bigger part. And that's how God speaks to us as his kids, as his children, your function and your role and your, your, your giftings and your talents, they only work when they're attached to the body. Let me say it this way. You can't accomplish what you need to without us. And we can't accomplish what we need to accomplish without you. I I was reading some stuff this week about relationships and I I did a bunch of homework. So I'm going to give you my hours of study. There's three types of relationships. Aristotle is actually the one that came up with these categories, which is interesting, but he believed that there was three types of relationships that we involve ourselves in as human beings. Number one, relationships based on utility, relationships based on pleasure, And friendships are relationships based on virtue. Listen to this. Relationships that are based on utility alone, they are relationships in which one or both of the parties gain something as a result of the friendship. You could think of this like as modern day networking, enterprise, or becoming with friends because they have something you need or you need their help. We all have those relationships, right? Utility relationships. But then he talks about relationships based on pleasure. Those are relationships centered around pleasant experiences. Like like you like being around people because you have a good time with them. You can be carefree with them. I would would relate these to hobbies. I like riding motorcycles. I like playing golf. I like like doing these things. Those Those are relationships that are based on something we do together. But the third one is the most important. It's friendships or relationships based on virtue. Everybody say virtue. These are relationships in in which both individuals share the same values. Think about it this way. These are people whom you admire and respect and with whom you align on what you find most important in life. See, many people choose relationships of utility to fill their needs. I need something from you. I need you to connect me with somebody else. I I have this gap of information. I, I need your help. And they stop there. Others choose relationships based on pleasure because they feel good. I like hanging out with them because when I'm with them, I feel good. I feel better about myself. But as Christ followers, we are to choose relationships that align with our values. I found over 20 years of student ministry, I found that a lot of young people choose and pursue relationships predominantly for utility, only to come up wanting more. Yeah. They have unrealistic expectations of what that friendship's going to be like. It's 16 years old. And when they find out they can't fulfill my needs, we just change relationships. Get rid of them. Change them. Others choose relationships based on pleasure or feelings. But those kind of people, their relationships are always changing. They always have a new set of friends because that hobby is old. I don't do that hobby anymore. I don't do those things, those feelings I don't have for that particular thing that we used to share a common interest in. So when the common interest of that hobby is over, guess what? Those relationships are constantly shifting and they never make momentum moving forward. I found that true lasting friendships are found on virtues. They're founded on virtues and values. And those are the relationships that continually fill us. 
I, I believe that we need some utility relationships and it's good to be around some people that make you feel good. But, but if that's all the friends you have, you're stuck in life because it's based only on soulish things. You got to remember here, we're not just talking about a club of people. We are spirit beings. I said we're spirit beings. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And so if all of our relationships are only soulish and fleshly, guess what? We're living out of a different angle than what we were intended for. The truth is, is that our spirit was created with a purpose. And there's others whose spirits were created with the same purpose. And when you put us together, man, we get some junk done through the spirit of God that connected us. I was reading in Tom, Tom Rath. He's got a book called um, How Full Is Your Bucket? If you want some homework, read this book. It's, it's a powerful uh, uh, story of people that are fillers or dippers. Let that sink in. There's only two types of people. You're either a bucket dipper and pull it out or you're a bucket filler. You're filling up. I like what he said here. He said, we are either filling someone's bucket or dipping from it. In other words, you can build someone up through positive interactions or you reduce them through negative ones. I made a decision many, many years ago that that I want friendships that fill my soul, but more importantly, fill my spirit. I want friendships to fill me, not drain me. I want relationships to benefit me not deplete me. But more than that, as a Christ follower, I want to be the friend that fills others. I'll say that again. I want to be me, Josh Roberts. I want to be the friend that people want to be around because I'm filling them. I want to be the friend that gives more than he takes. My grandfather used to say it this way. He'd say, Josh, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. I want to give you some qualities here in a minute of some values and virtues that I think we should have in our life. But let me say it this, this way to you. You can only receive what you're giving to somebody else. So many people, and I meet young people that are not married, and, and they have this list of things that they want in their spouse. Non-negotiables. They got to be 5'10", brown hair. Newer, uh, cars, you know, a newer model, three years, no later. It's got to make six figures. It's got to have a six pack. And he has to have an amazing family. And they're wondering why they're 45 and never married. Because their car's 20 years old. Their family's nuts. They're overweight. They don't have their habits set in place. Am I telling the truth? You do a lot of marriage counseling. Listen, if you want the spouse that's on your dream list, become the spouse that that person's dreaming of too. Stop putting it on someone. Oh, they're not out there. They don't exist. No, they exist. But you've got to set yourself forward in faith. And it's the same way with godly relationships. If you want people that have these virtues that I'm going to talk about, stop making a list of what everybody else isn't doing for you and make a list of who you're going to be to other friends. I, I'll tell you a little, I got time. I'll tell you, you know, it was well over 10 years ago where I had some relationships go bankrupt on me. I mean, just, just, just imploded. Relationships that were 30 years old imploded. So what did I do? I went to counseling. It's okay to go to counseling. Yes. Y'all got quiet really. He goes to counseling. Yeah, I think counseling's awesome. You need counseling. 
You're more dysfunctional than you give everybody credit for. Come on. We all need counseling. If you're not getting counseling, I'm, I'm nervous for you. I went and sat with a counselor and I, I said, I've been hurt. I've been bankrupt. I was backstabbed. This, that happened. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, calm down, calm down. And we talked for a little bit. He said, I want to give you some homework. He said, when you come back next week, make a list of all the things that happened to you. I said, oh, I can make a list. I got a list. And I went home that night like aggressive, like, oh, yeah, they did this. And they did that. And, and they said this on this date 14 years ago. They gave me that look across. I mean, it was detailed, man. I mean, I had every hurt, every pain, every stitch of hurt and failure that I had expectations. And I, had, I went back the next week like all pumped. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to tell this guy. And I sat down. He said, hey, did you bring your list? I said, oh, I had a legal pad. One of those long yellow ones. And I started, he said, well, tell me some of the stuff that happened that, you know, that you're heard about. And so I started reading it off. And I said, you ready for page two? And then page three and page four, about page five. He said, whoa, 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 old man. You got some drama. You're dysfunctional. I said, I know. He said, hold on, put the list away. He said, did it help to write it down? I said, yeah, it helped a lot. He said, okay, well, that homework assignment, I think you had it viewed one way, but it's truthfully, it's a different way. I want you to keep that list. And he said, the homework for you now moving forward is make sure you're never that person. He said, take that list and now make sure that you live your life according because you know what it's like when they said this and they did this and they cut you off here and they cheated you here and stuck you in the back. You've had all that experience. So if you want freedom, make sure that you never become that person. That's free counseling advice for you today. Make a list of the hurt and the pain of the jacked up relationships that you have in the past and set your faith and say, Lord, help me. Give me the courage to never be this person. And I'm going to tell you this, when you set yourself in motion to not be those things, people are going to flock to you and you're going to have the most fruitful relationships you've ever had in your life. Here's a few virtues that I put on my list. They're free of charge to you today. If they fit your, if they fit your thing, then take them. I want to be known as a loyal person. Loyalty is a virtue that builds lasting relationships. I want to be known as someone who sticks and stays. I want to be known as someone who is not a fair weather friend. Romans 15 says those of us who are strong and able in the faith, we, we need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what's most convenient for us. That's, that's key right there. Lasting friendships aren't just about you and convenience. Strength is for service, not for status. Someday I'll preach a message just on that. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us and ask ourselves, how can I help you? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy on himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waded right in and helped them out. I took on the troubles of the troubled is the way the scripture puts it. I want to be known as a loyal friend that when junk goes down in your life, I'm there. Yeah. I had a good friend in Southern California who, before he got saved, he had a crack addiction. He came to our church. He gave his heart to the Lord. He was one of the most faithful men I've ever served with. He headed up our setup and teardown team. And for five years, I showed up at four in the morning to help set up the chairs and the kids' classes. For five years, I served alongside this man and he was walking in freedom. Five years into our relationship on Thanksgiving day, he, he went to his in-laws to go to Thanksgiving dinner and they needed some more tables. And he said, well, I'll go back to the house and get some more tables. Except he never came home. He went to another town and found some old friends and 
spent three days in a ditch smoking crack. And I was heartbroken. This is my friend. This is my brother. And I asked some of my other friends that were friends with him and people on our staff and team. I said, well, let's find him. Where is he? He's our friend. Let's go get him. He needs our help. And man, they all backed up. What do you mean? Go get him. He's, he's chosen crack. And this and that. I said, I don't care what he's chosen. He's my friend. Amen. He needs our help more than ever right now. Amen. Let's find him. Let's go get him. Let's get him to rehab. Let's get him the help he needs. And I watched four or five grown men back up and say, oh man, I don't, I mean, what, what are you thinking? What, he was going to bust in his house and tie him up? I said, yes. That's what family does. That's what friends do. That we, we wait in. That's loyalty. He's going through something that's bigger than him. And several of them walked away and said, oh, we're, we're not going to be involved. And I said, I'm going. And I went to a crack house. There's a little single wide trailer on a big dirt lot. And I banged on the door and I said, hey. I called his name. I said, come out. Some other person yelled, he ain't coming out. I said, well, I'm not leaving till he comes out. And we took turns over that next 24 hours staying in the, in, the, in the driveway of that nasty house waiting for him to come out. He came out that next morning and we got to talk to him and 24 hours later we flew him to Alabama put him in rehab program. That's loyal friends. I, I, I've needed those guys in my life. When there's been stuff that went down I have men in my life right now who called and checked on me and came to my rescue. That's a relationship that lasts. I didn't plan on telling you that story. Number two, trustworthy. We need to be known as trustworthy people, able to be relied on, honest and truthful people. I think about Pastor Mo when I think of trustworthy. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who, is un, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to a ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want people to say, oh, Josh is reliable. He's trustworthy. He's a man of his word. I, I, I want this so much for me. And here's the thing, because I, I want that in the friends that I'm expecting to come along my side. I, I, want, I want to be able to call a friend that, that's in, that, that I can say, hey, I need you to help me with something and know that they're going to show up and do what they said they would do. Amen. Number three, I want to be an encouraging friend. We talked about social media right a few minutes ago. Social media is one of the greatest detriments to our young people that we've seen in, in decades. There's so much bullying and negativity happening on social media. We put up with it. As parents, we allow it. If you knew your son was getting beat up at school every day physically, you'd go change something. But we know they're getting beat up on social media, and yet we still give them a phone and let them watch whatever they want to watch. Come on, we've got to wake up and say, hey, there's enough negativity going on. We need to put some positivity in them. I, I, I'm, 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 oh, I won't even go there. You're going to get me. I want to be a friend that builds people up, not tears people down. Because I want to be built up. I want to know that the friends that I have, when I leave them, I feel stronger. Like my back's a little bit stiffer. I'm a little bit more empowered because I know I've got somebody who gets me and is pushing me towards greatness. No, first, uh, first Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. 2010, I hit some relationship walls and, and, and a friend of mine, his name's Hal Hardy. He's on our, our board here at IFC now. He called me every single month for the last 10 years. Not because he needed something. I'm just calling to encourage you, man. You got this. God set you up for something great. I believe in you. If you need something, you could call me. I, I think you're awesome. You're a champion. Man, there's greatness inside of you. Every month for 10 years. 
man, I, I feel like I'm a horrible friend. There's people I haven't even talked to in 10 years and I would consider them great friends. I want to be an encourager, number four or five. I don't know what number one. I want to be faith-filled friend. I want, I want to be a, a friend that, that has so much faith that it, that it causes change in your life. And that I have friends around me and relationships that are so intact that when I'm with you, the, the faith spills over on me. I love the story in Mark chapter two about the paralytic man who heard about Jesus preaching in his house. Says Jesus returned to Capernaum and he was in his own home and the, the room was packed and he's preaching and preaching and then these four crazy nut jobs realize, wait a second, there's a miracle in this house and our buddy's over here laid up, can't do nothing. What if we just go get him and we take him to Jesus, he'll get the miracle he needs. You can read the story for yourself. It says that there was no room to get in. They, the windows were blocked. The door was blocked. And so these guys were so crazy, they climbed up on the roof and they began to dig through the mud and the thatch. Through the roof while Jesus is preaching. I, I can imagine that this dust and all this dirt is flying around. It says they lowered him down in front of Jesus. And it said that Jesus was moved by their faith. He was moved by their faith. People would say, man, he tore the roof off your house. You should be mad. I think he was so excited that somebody was doing what he had been preaching. Yeah. And he lowered him down. And he said, hey, man, your sins are forgiven. And by the way, you should just get up and walk, take your bed and go home. And people freaked out. You can't do that. You can't do that. Listen, I want to be in situations where I need to get to Jesus and the four closest people to me push me towards him. Yeah. I want to be around people that I know that, 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 that together we can attain the miraculous. Listen to this. I want to push my friends to Jesus because I want to see the miraculous happen in their lives. I want to do that for people because I want people that would do that for me. I want spirit-led relationships. I want spirit-led relationships and I want to be a spirit-led friend. I want friends who hear the voice of God on my behalf. Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul and some of the disciples, are they've gone through all these different cities and it says that they were getting ready to head north. And it says the Holy Spirit forbade them from going. And so they stopped. It says, and then they tried to go this other direction to this other town and the Holy Spirit forbade them. What does that mean? It means on the road trip to go preach that somebody in that car said something just don't feel right. Paul said to the other guys, I know we're supposed to be in there counting us to preach there tonight, but something don't feel right. We, we, we can't go tonight. You ever have friends like that with you? Do your friends, are they so in tune with the Holy Spirit that even though you've made plans that they're so in tune that say, hey, I know we have these plans, we have these things we were going to do, but something just doesn't seem right. I feel like we need to chill and redirect what we were doing. I have friends like that. I've been in situations where we were in a situation that we didn't realize we were going to be in. And all of a sudden, one of them said, hey, whoa, 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 we need, we need to get out of here. This isn't, whoa, 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 this isn't what we thought it was. And, and backed out, what was that? That was the spirit leading a friend for a group of people. This is so important right now because so many people are moved by feelings and emotions again. Well, I'll just override that. It's okay. I mean, what's going to happen? I don't know, car wreck. Maybe somebody going to die. Maybe something tragic. I don't know. But I want to be around people that are sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I just, I, I know this sounds weird and I'm not nutty, but I got bad in here. It doesn't seem right. 
as opposed to people that would just say, oh, that's just your feeling. You just had some pizza early. It's okay. And override that. I want to be in spirit-led relationships, especially in this hour that we live in. Number whatever. I didn't number them in my notes. Joyful. Joyful. I want, I want to be a joyful friend. And then I want to be around joyful people. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of sour people out there. They're very bitter. And when you're with them, you just feel drained. You're like, oh my God, when are they leaving? How long is this dinner? I thought we were just coming for coffee. Get me out of here. Because it's doom and gloom and fear and tragedy. And it's, listen, if I wanted that, I'll just turn on the news. I didn't need to hang out with you. I want to be around people that fill my joy tank. I want to laugh. I said, I want to laugh. I want to have fun. What's worse than having relationships that suck the life out of you? Some of us, we're putting up with relationships and that's what they do. They drain us over and over. If we keep hanging out, we keep hanging out. And you're like, man, you seem depressed. Yeah, but hanging out with Chris, man, that dude's a real drag. You know, that's the opposite of my friend, Chris. When I hang out with Chris, man, we laugh, we have fun, we cut up, we're, we're joking around. I mean, when I leave coffee with Chris, I'm like, oh, uh, oh why didn't we wait a month to hang out? Because I'm filled with joy when I'm with him. Yeah. Don't settle for the mully grubs when there's joyful people around. Yeah. Don't settle for sour-minded people, sour attitudes, pessimistic views. We need in this season to fill our joy tank more than ever. Oh, I thought that would get more shouting. This is so important right now. You better inspect your friendships. This is just some homework today. Better inspect our people adding joy to you or taking joy from you. When I think about this, I think about my friend from Canada, Jared, in 2 John 1.12. He says, I have so much to write to you, but I don't want to use pen and paper and ink. Instead, I can't wait to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. He said, I'm writing this letter because that's all I got, but I'd rather be with you. I long for the day when we get to hang out again. We need more friends that we just do some hanging out. We, that we just do some chilling out. There's no agenda. What's the plan? What are we doing? What time? Uh, and, and there's no plan. Come in your sweatpants and come with an empty belly. We're just going to eat and laugh, play cards and hang out. Everything doesn't have to be a Bible study. Everything doesn't have to be a prophetic conference at your dinner table. It just needs to be, is, is it going to be fun? Is it going to be joy? Because I've had a hard week. I want to be a joyful friend. I want to, here's the last one. I want to be a celebratory friend. I want people around me who will celebrate my victories with me. To celebrate me and I want to be that for them. I'm, I'm looking for ways to celebrate people right now at a greater level in my life. Recognize the small accomplishments. My friend um, Josh Pennington, um, he'll, he'll be here sometime this next year, but Josh Pennington is, is my greatest cheerleader and I'm his because he knows I'll celebrate with him. He's a pastor in, in Newark, Ohio and about once a month, he'll call me on a Sunday afternoon and I'll answer and I'm usually tired and he's tired. He said, hey, I know you're resting. He said, but I knew I could call you because I need you to celebrate with me. I said, what happened? He said, man, 32 people gave their heart to the Lord this Sunday at our church. And I said, yeah, man, that's awesome. He said, four people spontaneously got baptized in our new baptismal. He said, thanks for cheering me on. I called you because I know you'll celebrate with me. 
Do you have people that celebrate you? That, that when you share a win, they're not a one-upper? Get rid of your one-upper friends. When they call and say stuff like that, hey, we had 32 people filled with the Holy Spirit at the church. Oh, yeah, well, we had 45. Are you calling? You're like, hey, I got a new car. I'm so pumped about this new car. Like, oh, yeah, well, well we're going to trade our car in too, and we're going to get a such and such. Phooey. Man, I got time for that nonsense. I want someone who says, what color is it? What's the leather smell like? How fast does it go? We need people that cheer us on and celebrate the little things. But here's the thing. If we want them in our life, then that's who we have to be for them. Let me ask you this. When you're talking on the phone with people that you would consider friends, here's a great test for this. Do you talk more about them and ask questions about them? Or do you tell them everything that they need to know about you? This is, the, this is the heart check right here. If you want to be celebrated, then when you get on the phone with somebody, ask them questions that pull out something that you're able to celebrate them for. Guess what? They had a horrible day too. They're believing that God would use you to celebrate them. Romans chapter 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. I want people, man, that no, no matter what season, they're right there with me take this plug right here at the end. Next week is our life group launch. Maybe when I was talking earlier about being backstabbed and having a horrible relationship to go to, to, to nothing, maybe you identify that and said, that's where I'm at. You know, one of the things that we do here at IFC is we strategically plan groups twice a year to make this happen. Yeah. Everything that I just said to make sure that there's an environment and a place where you can get all these virtues given to you through the context of relationships. We say it here at IFC, circles are better than rows. Today, you're sitting on a, on a straight row. I would assume you're going to get up and leave and probably have very little interaction with the people around you. And that's why you need to be in a group where you're face-to-face, where you can meet some real people, where you can develop some authentic relationships that are founded not on feelings or simply activities, but I believe that if you'll get in a group, you'll find some relationships that actually fill you up. One of the greatest testimonies that I hear about our groups is people saying, man, I'm so glad. I don't know what I would do without my group. Because when I signed up, everything was fine. But then I got in the group and tragedy hit. And immediately I was surrounded by people that cared for me in my most darkest hour. If you're here and you say, man, I'm looking for friends. I want this. I want to challenge you next week. Go up in the cafe. Be free donuts, by the way. If nothing else, go up there and eat some donuts and walk around and be like, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to her. Go find yourself a tribe. And I want to say this to our IFC family that's, that's been here for a while. Would you open up your circles? So many new people coming to IFC every week. New families, new single people, new couples coming and say, man, I'm looking for friends. How do I connect? Would you open up your old circle and say, we got plenty of room for you in here. Come on, make room. We work for family. Come on, join us. Guess what? As we do that, we see that the love of God extends past our physical family and the whole church begins to grow and thrive, filled up in relationships. Bow your heads with me and let me ask you just a couple of closing questions. Here's some homework for you to do based on what I talked about today. Some inventory questions. When you think about your relationships, are they utility-based, pleasure-based, or do you have value-based relationships? 
It's okay to have utility and pleasure, but they should not weigh the value in the virtue relationships. We've been talking a lot about this picture of a boat over the last few weeks, the rudder and the sail. But let me ask you, who's in your boat? Take inventory on who's riding in this journey with you. Some people, you might make them walk the plank this next week and say, hey, you're going a different way. You need to jump on a different boat. And then there's probably some people you need to invite in your boat and give them a seat. Who's in your inner circle? The end of last year, the Lord told me, I was praying, I said, Lord, in this new season, I need some some fresh friends. I need some, some people in my life to speak at a greater level. And he said, you don't have any room. I said, I need some people in the inner circle. He said, your inner circle's full. And he started beginning talking to me about people that I needed to move out of my inner circle to make room for those that I wanted. Maybe that's you. Last two questions. When you consider yourself as a friend, would you consider yourself as a bucket dipper or a bucket filler? And when you assess your relationships overall, are they draining you or are they filling you? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the truth is, is without an understanding of who Jesus is in your life, it'll be very hard to find these virtues or values that belong to you. Until you have an encounter with Christ, relationships are based solely on soulish things. But when you take a step over and invite Christ into your life and you submit your will to his, now he brings a whole other tribe to come circle around you to help you get you where you're going. If you're here today and you say, man, I need Jesus first and foremost because I need direction, but I need a tribe. I need godly relationships. I'm listening to you talking and the relationships that I have, they don't do what you're talking about. I want to invite you into the family of God today. If you're here and say, man, I need those relationships, but the first relationship I need is a relationship with Jesus. Would you put your hand up? I want to pray for you. Just put it up and put it right back down. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I just want to know who am I praying for today? And maybe you're online. Just let them know right there in the chat. Just put your little hand up there and we'll pray for you. Anybody at all say, I want to accept Jesus today. I want to start this new life over. I need godly relationships. Yes, sir. I see you. Yes, sir. Anybody else want to join this young man and say, hey, count me in, Pastor. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking for change. I need a fresh start. I need Jesus. Got you. Yes, I see you, buddy. Yes, sir. Last call. Anybody else? Say, hey, include me in that prayer. Would you do this with me? Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Anybody else say, hey, that's me. I'm in. Would you do this with me as a family? Just open your eyes and look at me. Let's just pray this prayer together, whether you've prayed it once or whether this is your very first time. Would you just say this? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to pay the price for my sins that I could be in right standing with you. Today, I choose Jesus in front of my friends, in front of my family, I say yes to your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.